All right, we're good. So, hey, everybody. My name is Prince Jackson. Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. Today, um, well, this is a podcast just talking about what it's like to be a teacher. And I am here today talking to Mr. Fro. Can you say your last name? I feel like I always butcher it. It's Frobrot. Frobrot. Okay, we're talking to Mr. Frobrot. And he is a teacher here at Smithfield Selma Senior High School, which is, I actually graduated from here a few years ago. So, how you doing, Mr. Fro? I'm doing great. How you been? I'm doing pretty well. So, you're a teacher. So what is it like, you know, in your experience so far? Like, or where are you from? What's your background in teaching? Okay, so grew up in Atlanta uh, in a school that's very similar to SSS. So I think that's one of the reasons I love it here so much is that it's a lot like my old school. So I feel like I kind of fit right in. But uh, when I got to senior year, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Just knew I wanted to get away from my parents from Atlanta so found this little school in the mountains. It's one of the two that I applied to. I applied to Western Carolina and I applied to University of Tennessee. Uh, toured University of Tennessee, said, heck no, this place is way too big for me. And so I settled on Western before I even saw it really. Um, went there, fell in love with it. Uh, also fell in love with a girl while I was there. She was a Johnson County girl. Oh. So. <laughs> I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go back to Atlanta, and she wanted to go back to Johnson County. So that's how I'm here in Johnson County. Um, I started off wanting to be an art teacher, and then I met with my advisor the first year, and he was like, "You know, it's going to take you five years to get that art degree with all the studio classes and everything." So I was like, "I don't have five years of college money. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna settle on my next favorite love, which is history." Uh, so did that, got that degree. Um, and then, like I said, right after college, we got married, moved out this way. Uh, and then I started looking for schools to teach at. Um, I was actually cutting grass at a local golf course while I was trying to get a job at a school. Ended up, I uh, had a friend that told me about a lady that was getting on, ready to leave on maternity leave. So slid into her position here at S. Then I did another maternity leave. Um, and then this guy named Mr. Geis, who was teaching history here, he was formerly a lawyer. And then he decided to go to the classroom to help the kids before they got to the courtroom. And then he realized, like, hey, teacher pay and lawyer pay are not the same. <laughs> so went back to being a lawyer. And then the principal at the time, Mr. Jacobs, said, hey, do you want to be a teacher at Triple S? And I was like, definitely. Like, it's a place I love. Um, so got that job and I've been here. This is my 12th year. Nice. So it was like, it was kind of like a chance thing almost. Did you think it was difficult to find that job once you graduated or? Um? I think it was extremely difficult <laughs> and I don't think it's going to be as difficult now, like for teachers now, because, uh, it's a profession where like people are kind of shying away from it now. Right. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody graduates and says, we want to be a teacher. So just like you were just telling about, but, <laughs> yeah. um, so it was difficult then, uh, but I think it's all, it's like any job now. It's like who, you know, so I had a friend who knew the principal and knew the lady that was going on maternity leave. He kind of put in a good word for me and then I proved myself from there. But I think it's all about like having those connections, making those connections, uh, like when you're in the education program, like, 
still keep up with your old teachers. Still keep up with um, any teachers that you meet along the way because those can be connections that can help you get a job later. So Nice. So yeah, you mentioned uh, the difference between teacher pay and, like, lawyer pay. I know that was, like, a joke, but teacher pay is something that, you know, a lot of people say that you got to love it, you know, to really stick with it because the pay isn't there. Like, what would you say to, like, uh, you know, teachers who are or people who are very interested in being a teacher but they're a little nervous to like they're worried about their pay and like you know surviving what would you say about that so and I'm probably a little different than most people because I actually think the pay is pretty decent Mm -hmm. Um, when I started it was only like 26,000 a year and it was like that for my first probably eight years they had like a salary freeze so it was rough those first eight years, but now I think the average starting salary is like 42. Huh. And when you think about that, um, I always like to bring in the benefits you get as a teacher too. Like those three months off in the summer or two months off in the summer, uh, you're not going to get that at any other job. So somebody that's making 60 or $70,000, they still got to work those two months while I'm sitting there spending all that time with my family um, and really just getting to live life during the summer months. So I think it's really the perspective you look at it. Like you can look at it and say, wow, that really sucks. Like I'm only going to make 42000 a year. But you're off like a fifth of the year. So the vacation time's hard to beat. And yep. then like two weeks off at Christmas, like you can spend time with family, like get the weekends off. So Nice. So do you um... – that summertime can you get paid during the summertime as well or is it like a um yeah yeah. so there's a couple different options like the one i do is through the county so they just take my 10 months of pay Mm -hmm. and spread it out over 12 months got you so i get paid even those months that we're not working and then my wife does the state employees summer cash account which is basically the same thing they take it each month from her 10 month check and then during the summer months we get paid from state employees so it's not really like you're losing out pay unless you don't plan for it. Like that's the one thing I would say too is like you got to be a good budgeter as a teacher because mm. you get paid once a month. And it's real tempting when you get paid that that one time a month uh, to go out and live it up because <laughs> you've probably been living some of the months on ramen, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, live it up, go out to eat, buy a bunch of stuff. But as long as you budget, like you'd be fine. Same thing with the summer. Like, as long as you budget for the summer, you're good. Got you. So, okay, talking about the pay, now paying off student debt when you get out of school, what is that process like? Uh, It's probably different for everybody, but for me, I still got got my student loans. (laughs) I've been out 13 years, so I got my student loans. So, Um, but do they work with you, like, through that process? Like, are they pretty easy, not easy going, but, like, uh, is it easy to, like, work out a payment plan with that or they do and probably like the first three years i was out mm-hmm. i did the whole deferral thing where you don't pay anything you just and mm. they kept letting me do it so oh cool i just kept doing it <laughs> um and then once i started paying it was like 80 90 bucks a month so mm-hmm. it wasn't too bad um but i would say like if you have student loans don't just make that minimum payment like put toward what you can and another benefit of working at a place like Triple S, a Title I school, mm-hmm. is if you work there for, I think it's five years, the federal government refu- will forgive $5,000 worth of loans. 
And then I think for like special education teachers um, and some of the more needy subjects like math and science, I think it's even more than that. So I think it's like 12 or 15,000, something like that. Oh, that's pretty nice. <laughs> so, so there's some there's some perks there too. Nice. So, okay, so could you talk a little bit about like what a Title I school is exactly? Okay, so. <coughs> Sorry about that. That's all good. <laughs> so Title I is like a federal designation, meaning that a certain percentage of your students qualify for free reduced lunch. Okay. Um, so fall below that poverty line. Um, and basically what that means for us is we get an extra pot of money on top of what the state gives us. Hmm. So uh, I think Triple S gets like five or 600,000 extra dollars. And they can use that for lots of different things. So like they use some of that to help the AVID program uh, meet the needs of those students. The AVID program we have here at Triple S. Mm-hmm. They use some of that to pay for some extra teachers. So like I think we have it's either four or five teachers that are paid for out of those Title I funds. So whereas a school, a different school in the county would only get in a certain number of allotments, we get a few extra because we have that uh, high poverty designation. Got you. Okay, so working in like a, or at least a high poverty designation, like is there a, I'm trying to find the correct words. So whenever you're working with students, like diversity, like I'm sure there's some students that are below the poverty line and then there's some above. Um, how do you work, like find a way to, you know, meet everyone's needs in the classroom? Because I know that that's something um, that's really difficult for like first year teachers to find out. Because for I me, mean, for one, they're trying to, you know, find their way, like how they want to teach the classroom. But then they have the students and you don't, you don't want them to fall behind, you know, just because you're, um, you know, trying to figure the whole thing out. So what would you, you know, tell a first year teacher about working with, you know, students, like diverse, a diverse group of kids? I think my biggest thing is, and what I've always tried to do, and I hope you saw this when you're in my classes, <laughs> um, is I always tried to get to know the student and I always try to get to know their story. Because mm. if you can get to know their story, you can see why they make the choices they make and why they decide to do the things that they do. So, uh, and I tried to get yours for years, but you would always say, you'll hear about it one day, Mr. Fro. you hear about it one day, Mr. Fro. Oh, yeah. You read about it. Um, <laughs> so I'm still waiting to read about it. For sure. But that's always my goal is look at every student, where they're at, see where they're coming from, try and get their background, and cater what I do to that. And that doesn't always mean, like, the lessons that I teach or the assignments that I give. Really, it's more about the conversations. Because uh. at the end of the day, like, nobody's ever come back to me and said, Mr. Fravor, I'm so glad you taught me uh, the three branches of government. Or, Mr. Fravor, I'm so glad that uh, I learned how to do that math problem, that tutorial and Avid that one day. Like, anytime anybody's ever come back to me, it's, Mr. Fravor, I really appreciate the life lessons you gave in that class and that time you took to recognize that I was struggling with this or I was struggling with that. And you actually sat there, took the time to help guide me through and motivate me to do better for myself. So that's my biggest piece of advice I can give. And kids are kids. It doesn't matter where they come from, uh, what they look like, uh, what language they speak. Like, 
pretty much a kid is a kid, and you just got to meet them where they're at and try and progress them further than where they're at. That's my, that's my biggest piece of advice I can give. Cool. That, I, I really like that perspective because you said, like, you know, the, it's the conversations that you have with them and, like, meet, like trying to get to know the student. I feel like something that um, I've definitely heard in the classroom is, like, don't get too close to the kids, which is obviously don't get too close to the kids. That's really important. But I, I still think it's important that, you know, you establish a relationship with them, you know, because, I mean, if you like I imagine like you don't want to learn from someone that you don't know at all, you know, so eat something as simple as like talking about football with the student. They'll be like, oh, I didn't know you like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, mm -hmm. and um, so, yeah, interesting. Well, I think, too, like that's what that's what I see as my role as a teacher. And that's kind of why I'm kind of moving into, I'm going back, you know, I told you I'm going back to school to be a counselor. Oh, yeah. But I see that's what the role of the, t of the teacher is, too. Like, yes, we want them to learn the information we're teaching them. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, that's not the most important thing I'm teaching them. Like, it's nice for them to know what supply and demand is and how that works together to create price. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if I can help them not be a jerk to other people and help them, uh, you know, try and see from somebody else's perspective and uh, be good to other people. Like, to me, that's much more my job. And I've done my job if I can make that happen versus if they score 100 on my final exam. Got you. Yeah, cool. Well, okay, now we're on the topic of students. How do you go about discipline disciplining students because that's um <coughs> that's such an interesting topic because you're like um I, i'm in my internship right now and i was like in front of the class and i had some uh students that were just like talking and running their mouth in the back and i was like what can i do like you just it's like how do i go about like you can tell them to stop and then if they keep going it's like you don't want to write every single student up so do you like let it slide for a little bit or do you like have a firm talking to like what how would you how do you go about disciplining students so again I've got like a I feel like it's a different approach than most teachers because mm -hmm. in the past 13 years I've written probably five referrals like oh. that's it because I just don't see like I can't see what a principal is going to do mm -hmm. outside of class that I could do in class you know and I'm not trying to burn that bridge with that student by just sending them out every time they annoy me so oh. I think it goes back to knowing your kids, too. Got you. And knowing, like, okay, why are they acting like a jerk today? Because typically it's not even anything you did that is making them act like a jerk. Like, they got cussed out by their parent before they got, got to school. <laughs> or uh, they almost got in a fight in the hallway. So, like, if you can take time to – it's really just – it goes back to what was something we learned in leadership class one of those seven habits seeking first to understand then to be understood so mm. really trying to understand why that kid's acting that way because nobody wants to misbehave in class like there's going to be a reason that they're pushing your buttons yeah. um, and there's going to be something deeper to it than just they wanted to push your buttons today so i think for me it's <coughs> and i think too it comes with being in the classroom for a while because I don't have too many discipline problems because a bunch of kids know me and they know, like they've heard of me from people from past years. 
Uh, but when I first started teaching, like it was awful. When I tell you, <laughs> when I tell you it was awful, I had ninth grade standard world history classes, and they didn't care a thing about world history, and they knew I was young and they knew I was dumb, and they took advantage of every single opportunity. So, I think it's just something I learned over time that if you know your kids, it's just like anything. If you get to know the people, you know what makes them tick, and you know how they act normally. And if they're acting out of frame, like there's some there's some reason for that. Uh, and that's one of the things that I feel like has always been one of my strengths and has really helped me with the classroom management piece is getting to know the kids and getting to know why they're acting the way they're acting. Ah, nice. So establishing as an educator, it's really important to establish a relationship with the students. Mm-hmm. Got you. So you just understand how to talk to them and get to know them and, you know, just like fix an issue before it becomes like, a big problem mm-hmm. cool. yeah so like if you came into the class one day and you weren't because pretty much every time you came in here you're smiley <laughs> so yeah. if you came in one day and you look pissed off like I know hey, there's something wrong to Prince today <laughs> so I got to pull him out and I got to talk to him and figure that out now obviously yeah. you can't do that with 30 kids but mm-hmm. you're typically not gonna have 30 discipline issues it's gonna be four or five that are trying to push the buttons trying yeah. to see what they can get away with um, and like I said, I think if you just try and understand why they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, perfect example, I had a student that just gave me crap every day, all the time. And when I pulled him out in the hallway, he'd be like, go ahead, tell me what you got to tell me, because this is what everybody tells me. And so recognizing that his entire high school career has been getting pulled out in the hallway, getting written up, getting suspended, getting sent home, like, why would he act any different when he walked into my class? Somebody that, somebody he didn't know, somebody he didn't trust yet. So it's really about getting to know the kids, establishing that trust, and knowing that, hey, no matter how big of a jerk you act, I'm still going to keep bringing you back in. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not giving up on you. So I think it's just recognizing that those kids that have discipline issues have other issues that they're bringing to the table too like that they're coming in with. So you got to figure out what those are. And if you can get pull their heartstrings when you figure out what those are, they're not going to be a discipline issue for you. Ah, nice. Well, speaking, um, do you have any, like, uh, teacher stories that you're like, I'm never going to forget this? Like, like di- almost disasters that happen in the classroom. Just, like, something that, uh, I don't know, something that you, like, when you tell your grandkids like about your teaching days, like <coughs> this is a story that you'll bring up so far. Um, so I've got one of my favorite ones is I was in world history that first year I was teaching. I was talking about the mandate of heaven mm-hmm. when I was talking about the Chinese civilization. And this kid named Fabio raised his hand from the back and he's like, hey, Mr. Frobro, is that like a bromance? You know, like mandate. <laughs> and I thought that was, that was hilarious because he was so quick when he said it. Um, and then another time, it was that same class. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I was teaching. I'm kind of a bigger guy, so I've got a belly. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was standing there teaching. I don't even remember what I was talking about, but as I was standing there teaching, I guess I got too close to this girl's desk, and all of a sudden I, heard, I felt this <laughs> on my belly. <laughs> she just slapped my belly. And so I was just like, like I, knew, I know my face turned beet red, and I was just like, what <laughs> just happened? <laughs> And she's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Fremont. It was just right in my face. I just had to smack it. 
And so, like, that was one of those that I will never forget. Um, And I can still see the little girl's look of shock that she did that. (laughs) And so that was one of those cases where I just kind of, like, moved on because I didn't know what to do. I was like, I just got smacked in the belly. Like, what just (laughs) happened here? (coughs) So that's probably probably my favorite Um, Mm -hmm. just because it was so unexpected. But there's all kinds of things. I had a bird fly in the classroom one time. What? Had a missing ceiling tile. And all of a sudden, this this bird flew down, um, and I was actually talking to a, I was talking to another teacher at the door, and all of a sudden I hear this, ah, and all these screams, and I turn back around, and like half the kids are on the floor, and then there's this one little redneck kid in the back, and he's like, I got it, Mr. Fro, and what? so he took his he took his shirt off, and it was like one motion, but took his shirt off, threw it in the air, caught the bird, and then was walking outside with it. What? <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty awesome. But that classroom <coughs> sounds like a party. Like, there's a, there's all kind of stories, crazy stories you'll get, as you teach. Yeah, and I feel like um, I think that one of the best things I've heard from like teachers that I've talked to since I've um, been in my internship is just like, they said the biggest thing they said is like don't be afraid to like fail because there's gonna like whenever you have those bad days in teaching, like. I feel like those make up for the best stories, you know, and I don't think like whenever the student said mandate, you're probably like, what? Like, (laughs) oh, man, you know, but like those are like the best days in the classroom, you know, when you have students like that. And I saw him probably six years later. (laughs) He said, hey, Mr. Fro, remember that one time I made that funny joke in your class? (laughs) And so it's good stuff. And it's that's the that's the big fun of it is seeing kids. Uh, that you knew were going to be successful, and then ones that you were like, I don't know about them, but I sure hope so, because they've got a lot to offer the world. Like seeing them later on in life and seeing that they've made something of themselves, and they're doing maybe not the world's definition of big things, but they're holding down a steady job and providing for themselves and their family. So, yeah, I think that's big. I'm sure it's like really nice because I've just I've been like I'm in my intern too in the fall, but like I've taught drum lines for like years now and seeing those students like go on and like march these different indoor ensembles or like these different professional groups i'm like i'm proud of you you know it feels good it feels good. it is a cool feeling that you can like that you were a little part of that yeah for sure well i think um yeah i don't want to i think that's really all i got like i feel like that was a really good conversation in like a short span of time (laughs) (laughs) Which was really, really great. Anything else you want to add or, like, say? or Just that it is – it's a job that's worth it. Like, mm-hmm. And you do have those days where you're like, I'm done, I don't want to do this. And it's typically not even because of the students. It's typically because all those extra things that, you know, maybe administration's telling you to do or the state of North Carolina's telling you to do um, or the federal government mandates – and there's, there's those days where you're like, I just don't want to do this anymore because there's no fun in it. But then you do have those moments where you get that email from the kid you taught 10 years ago or kid you taught four or five years ago coming back that wants to talk to you on a podcast. <laughs> and you're like, man, this is cool. This was worth it. So mm-hmm. just know that, like, the salary's pretty good. So just think about all the benefits you get, all that time off you get. Uh, but what's even better is all those connections you do get to make. And when you get to look back and say, hey, that person's doing big things or 
that person's doing, you know, living their life in a way that they should. And I was a little part of that. I was a little part of their journey. So uh, it's definitely worth it. So keep at it if you're, uh, if you're struggling and not want to do it anymore. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Mr. Frobro. It was good talking to you again. It was, I haven't seen you in some years. It's been like, what, five years now or something it's like that? It's been a little while. Yeah. Last, I think last time I saw you, you were uh, driving me to my roommate's. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been like three years. <laughs> yeah, his uh, wife was having a baby, so you were <laughs> rushing me over there to meet the baby. For sure. Well, I mean, yeah, that's it was good to see you. And, and it's nice to come back and see Triple S, too. Uh, I got to talk to Mr. Jones sometime soon <laughs> oh, yeah. about what it's like. But, yeah, if um, yeah, I think that's all we got here. Uh, thanks. If you guys are, um, are listening in, uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram once I create it. I'm not really sure what that will be just yet because this is the first episode. But uh, thanks again for tuning, tuning in. I'm Prince Jackson, and you just listened to the first episode of the Teacher's Lounge. So thanks.